Hey everyone, Brent here. You're Making It Worse is sponsored by the National Alliance of the Unhinged. Founded in 1922 and located only three blocks from the nation's capital, the NAU is the world's most powerful lobbying force unequivocally advocating for the rights of the sexually unhinged. They're celebrating their centennial May 27th through the 29th in Washington, D.C. And guess what? You're invited to a weekend of festivities, starting with Friday's screening of Showgirls and Boogie Nights at the headquarters' newly renovated Elliott Glazer IMAX Theater with vibrating seats. Following the movies, there will be a meet-and-greet with luminaries such as David Duchovny and Mr. Elliott Glazer, who, in the spirit of the event, will be wearing nothing but a raincoat, very very loosely buttoned. On Saturday afternoon, the NAU is organizing the largest march of its kind down Pennsylvania Avenue, ending at the White House where they'll be advocating for free, universal access to foot-long dildos. And finally, on Sunday there will be a 21-year-old and over barbecue with free kielbasas, mud wrestling, and the annual nude potato sack race to be refereed by Mr. Glazer, still in his raincoat. Now. On to the show. Welcome to Your Making It Worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here. We're queer. Meh. Meh. Textual healing. So, before we get into our actual topic today, I did want to bring up an article. Did did all of you read it, Ed Koch article? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I definitely read it. I definitely read the title. Uh, <laughs> I didn't read... I didn't read the rest of the article. That's, I think it was that's last how I read weekend, wasn't it? I feel like it was last weekend. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, out, and it was about the former mayor of New York City, Ed Koch, who was uh, rumored notoriously homosexual in the closet, and what was so fascinating about it is him being in the closet until he died. But then also what I find so interesting is his entire political career spanned major moments of the gay rights movement in a way that like is sort of shocking. It's from the time he became a congressman right before Stonewall, representing the community that Stonewall was in. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to that to that close proximity of, of the issue to the the 1980s when he was mayor of New York City during the height of the AIDS epidemic and everything that he did and most importantly did not do during the AIDS epidemic. You know, it's it's also interesting that like, you know, th- this just kind of goes to show how far we've come because like Ed Koch, uh, it's Koch, right? I always said Koch. Uh, yeah. Koch, yeah. Yeah, it seems about right. He represented such a liberal part of New York and he, uh, was you know, he was very liberal. He was very liberal. And he was he liberal. A Republican for a little bit. He, right. he endorsed George Bush, I think. Oh, did he? Yeah. Uh, I, and I know he was considered a progressive mayor, but like that was just, you could not be particularly accepting of gay people just universally, even well, in New York was. City in the 80s. He, he was. He was very accepting of gay people. And he was very, he was the first mayor to march in a pride parade. He was very, he was very liberal on queer issues before a lot of politicians were. It's just that when he became mayor, he would pick and choose the gay issues that he would be willing to talk about because some he feared would uh, bring on more rumors, so much oh. so that during a, a press conference on something with AIDS, 
he was so terrified. This was in the article. He was so terrified that Larry Kramer, gay activist, yeah. with normal heart. Elliot's um, favorite. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that Larry Kramer would publicly like come to the, to the press conference and out him and, and talk and like say that he's gay and be confronted that Ed Koch had a stroke afterwards. Oh my God. Yeah. He literally yeah, he had a stroke and people, I mean, he, he, the article just basically assumes that like it's that it was because of the fear of that moment that, that that potentially happened. And that he even toyed around with coming out later in life. And he just, he never did it. I, the article says out of spite, basically to a lot of his opponents who tried to mm -hmm. out him over the years. Mm -hmm. Well, it's also cool that he like, I mean, I don't know, it's cool, but like at the end of the day, as much as he was in fear of being outed, despite you know, being on the receiving end of uh, vitriol from the gay community and people who were, you know, not not angry at him for not coming out, but not angry at him for being um, active enough about, you know, fighting HIV. Mm -hmm. He still was never like outed. There still was never this like yeah. contingent yeah. of gay or queer people who were looking to out him. If anything, I think he was more so- With the exception of Larry Kramer, who, who talked but Larry, very openly. I mean, even to the yeah. point where, when, when Ed Koch said, oh, I'm, I'm not gay, I'm, I'm heterosexual. I'm, he actually said that there were protests. Larry Kramer famously was like, yeah, and I'm Cary Grant. Like it was, there were, right. there was lots of very open accusing, even during the campaign, his first mayor, mayoral campaign against uh, Mario Cuomo, oh, not Mario Cuomo, um, the father, was that? Who's the father? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, Mario. Mario, yeah. Mario Cuomo. I mean, it was said, uh, vote for Cuomo, not the homo. So like that was sort Oof. of, there was a, that was a big part of his narrative. And I met him when I worked for Anthony Weiner, I met him a number of times and I like, it was so weird because he would, he was so nice. He was really nice, but he would always comment because, you know, I wear scarves and other things. I'm very flashy. I don't mm -hmm. wear suits very well. And he would always comment on the thing that was flashiest about my outfit which was mm -hmm. like wild because I was just a stupid fundraiser. So, so this this was before you were just wearing long black flowing silks? Is yeah, that oh yeah, uh -huh. yeah. This is when I was trying, this is when I, that was my consent. I was like, okay, I'll wear a suit if I get to wear all these other things with the suit. Yeah, as long as I can wear, as long as I can wear And my, I get to wear my 12 foot scarf wrapped around my around with a suit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I still remember that like he had, that, that movie Short Bus that John Cameron Mitchell uh -huh. did. Yeah. Like there was a character who was so clearly based on Ed Koch. Yeah. Um, this like sad, you know, repressed gay mayor who was just kind of like a voyeur. Yeah. Um, I mean, it should be noted like, though, because there are a lot of homosexuals or gay queer activists in general who hated Ed Koch in the similar right. way they hated Ronald Reagan for his inaction on HIV AIDS. So like mm -hmm. he was yeah. a dick in that department. He was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He still, I just think he, he still wasn't, I, I, I guess I feel almost a little optimistic in the sense that I don't think he was, aside from Larry Kramer, he wasn't the way, he wasn't treated the way like Perez Hilton bullied queer people yeah. coming out. It yeah. was more like, yes, we understand. And yes, we see what's going on. And yes, we hate him for his in act, you know, being inactive. Yeah. But at the same time there, it was almost, it almost seemed like they were like, but we'll let it slide. Yeah. But yeah. this also connects with a current politician who's sort of uh, undergoing, I guess, I, I don't know how, we, how, we, how would you describe it, Alan? How would you describe Madison Cawthorn's last couple weeks? Yeah. So that was the other thing that we got a lot. We didn't get any messages about Ed Koch, sadly, even though that's a very important story from queer history that I wish more gay people read. Um, but Wait, let, let, me, let me give a message to our listeners for not sending anything about Ed Koch. Ed Koch. How dare you? <laughs> I'm getting 
<laughs> you sons of bitches. All right, go ahead, Adam. Um, so, so the Madison, we got a lot of messages about the Madison Cawthorn thing, which is kind of wild to me because I think I was talking to Elliot about it and both of us were like, who cares? Like, well, I, yeah, I, mean, I was surprised. Apparently so many people listening actually care because yeah. I think Madison, so the thing that happened with Madison Cawthorn is he is the very conservative uh, congressman from North Carolina, right? Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. And he, uh, you know, he helped out in January 6th. He did a lot of things that are very conservative. He spoke very openly about the election being a fraud. He still does yeah. to this day. And he, um, he, some things have come out about him. He said that there were orgies happening and he was invited to drug field orgies in Congress. Videos came out of uh, an aide of his touching his crotch over his jeans. And then another one of him naked before he was a congressman. Uh, humping the head. It was a very violent. It's a hump. really weird video. I just watched hump. it it's before we recorded it. Yeah. All. And another one of him in lingerie on a cruise. Um, so a lot of things that don't necessarily line up with Republican conservative values that yeah. he has ran on. And uh, much of the Republican Party has abandoned him. I mean, even Trump, even though Madison caught, he's running for election right now. I think the primary is Tuesday. Mm. So when this comes out, he might have lost the primary. I doubt mm. it. I yeah. doubt he's going to lose the primary. But he um, he says that he has Trump's endorsement, but he actually doesn't have Trump's endorsement. So much so that at the last rally that was in North Carolina last week, Trump spoke very favorably of Madison Cawthorn, but never once said he endorsed him. Yet every other person Trump spoke about said, and I give my full endorsement. So mm -hmm. it was very clear that Madison Cawthorn did not get the Trump endorsement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I was intrigued um, by this story. I mean, look, I think, I think it, it, it's popular because he is it's homoerotic. He's it's homoerotic. super attractive. Like he's very, very handsome. Um, and I watched the 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 humping video, and it's it's unbelievably creepy. Almost, mm -hmm. it's like you know, it's very like college dudes making jokes, um, you know, fake humping yeah. each other. But he actually is naked, and it seems like his butt is like abnormally hairy. Um, it's very it's very weird. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I don't know. I, I I just I find the whole thing so. But I would say, sorry. The last thing I'll say is that um, I think the lingerie thing is actually. Like it's one thing to kind of make a make a silly joke between friends when you're younger, maybe before you're out of off uh, before you're in office, all these things, you know, quote, guys will be guys, I suppose. Um, but like the lingerie thing is actually kind of jarring because like it takes a while, like, you know, you have to like get it, you have to put on a bra he's wearing like two bras or something in yeah. in these well, pictures. It's, it's, and that's, that's some sort so, of like event, though. It was a, he was on a cruise that he said this happened long i read this huge article on him last night so i feel like i know way too much about madison cawthorn um he he said that this event happened long before i was in congress which he's only like 26 there's not yeah. long before does not yeah. exist at that long, age. yeah long before and, his middle school right? yeah and but it happened a year before he wasn't or before he ran for congress um and it was on a cruise he had taken lots of vacations one of his biggest vacations was to um hitler's vacation retreat in right, the right. Swiss Alps, I think, where he took pictures with his friend and smiled yeah. big at. Hitler he, he called him the he called him the Führer, and in, in yes. the in the in the caption he called him the Führer. It, and he took I mean, a series that, of vacations in that era of, of sort of in between his accident and when he ran for Congress, and he was lost. He hadn't held down a job. He worked at Mark Meadows' office as a, essentially a secretary, even though he said he was an aide, and he couldn't even answer phones very well. It said in the article, so that he 
basically didn't, he just sort of was there as an intern. Mm. Um, and so the cruise ship came, he was a vacation he was on, and it was sort of like an adult late night game thing that they organized on the cruise that the, the party organizer told the audience beforehand, this will get sort of like college crude. So if you want to leave, I would leave. And of course he didn't leave. And the whole point of the game was for the groups to do the most shocking thing, to mm. do the most, you know, jarring thing. And so this group, it was Madison Cawthorn and I believe all women. It was, he was on a group with all women. They put him in lingerie. And, and of course he won because it was the most jarring thing. Oh, how dare you suggest that? I'm not suggesting. I'm only stating facts. I'm only stating facts. But I think what's so, I think what's so interesting and why we got, why we particularly got so many messages about this is it's very Sean Cody-esque in that it plays into this whole idea of the Aryan looking man, Mm -hmm. muscular, you know, and he doing sort of pseudo male on male sexually adjacent things and then what does that say about this conservative it's it's almost like we want to say we gotcha but yeah in this era like he is not going to be he's not going to lose his seat in congress because of it You're, whereas al franken who took a ridiculous photo with a woman who was asleep not even touching her i don't even think and he resigned from senate because of it so it's like yeah people are calling out the double standard here mm-hmm. yeah there's definitely a double standard i also but i also just like it's, 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 he's just like exhausted. He just feels like a troll to me, you know, in that that's like, I know it's like the new Republican party is like being a terrible person and being a troll, but that's kind of all that he is to me. And so, I don't know, I, in all honesty, like I just am so bored by it that I didn't even, I, I don't know. I, I've never thought I've Did you I'm find the video hot? No, I mean, I saw oh. one that felt like grainy and I was like, yeah, was just like he's just, his preoccupation with being like a troll is enough to like creep me out enough that I don't want to pay any, att- I don't want to give yeah. him space in my brain. Yeah, that, that, that's why this slipped under the radar too for me. Yeah. Do you think he's hot, Elliot? Yeah, he's obviously, yeah, he's very handsome. See, but it's I, like- I get, I get why he's, he looks handsome, but I don't think he's hot at all. Only because he looks so <laughs> like, I think those kind of guys always have been very Aryan looking to me. And I'm always sort of like, I, they're just not hot to me. They're, they're, yeah. I hear, yeah, I it's, it's wallpaper. Yeah. 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 Well I mean, first, first of all, I don't like the, the, the tone that you take when you say Aryan, Alan. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but Prince yeah, I mean, jerking I, off to his hairy butt. I, I, <laughs> God, it was so jarring. Um, no, I, I have a, I also think he's very handsome, but it's, he doesn't like do much for me. So I, I want to establish clearly on this podcast once and for all, I have not masturbated to Madison <laughs> Cawthorn. Congratulations. <laughs> Elliot obviously is not saying if he did or not. Oh no, I don't masturbate to pictures. I'm taking Still that pictures. Out. <laughs> oh my god! Not even joking. We are here with Eric Williams, the host of the Gay Ass Podcast. Hey, Eric. No relation to Vanessa, right? I wish, although uh, when you see my name, you think of like a black NBA basketball player, but I'm just a scrawny no. gay Jew from the Midwest. <laughs> right? Your name, I think of sometimes the snow comes down in June. Anyone um, remember that song, Vanessa Williams? No. Yeah. No. There's totally different, totally different melody. Who, who definitely re- relate to what I'm experiencing right now. 
Right. I do right. love Vanessa. I do love musical theater. So any comparison mm. is just. Wait, what? What's your take on Come From Away? Real quick, what's your take? <laughs> no one cares. Okay. All right. Sorry. So famously, <laughs> Elliot Glazer did that's a gay ass podcast, and he, I I now know the stance. And so I yeah. he Elliot changed my mind. I will say, mm-hmm. like, okay. I was a All little right, more of like, oh my god, I'm with the mainstream. And then Ellie was like, it's Carbaggio, and I was like, correct. Yeah. So All right. uh, I do think our listeners have heard enough about. It. Yeah, so I think I, I will I think let us move on. There have been some comments about quick. "Come From Away." Alan, yeah, do you, Alan said every every single every single time <laughs> Alan doesn't like something because he's the <laughs> only one that uses the Instagram account. Yeah, he will always be like, "Oh, but you wait, know, listeners." Why am I? Why am and I I'm the like, only one that uses the Instagram account? Because y'all are too afraid to see the comments. No, and, mm-hmm. and by the way, by the way, sorry, Eric. I know we're shouting each other, but by the way. Every once in a while, we do log in and we look at the at the, at the messages, and yeah. we don't see those messages <gasps> you're talking about. By the way, oh, Alan, oh, Alan is weaponizing maybe, the Instagram. Maybe you preemptively delete them. I'll, I'll tell give you a me, little... tell me, I do delete messages. <laughs> I delete hate messages. Wait, maybe. can I tell you something? I was on a plane Please. the other day, and I saw this guy furiously texting all these people, and then immediately deleting the text from his phone. And I wanted to know Ooh, so oh, badly yeah. what. No. I mean, the, the situation was already insane because it was like. There's really no respectful way to say this. He was um, not not attractive. And then the person he was with looked porn star-esque. So I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And they oh. were fighting the whole time. But clearly, yeah, I like messages all the time. Oh, then then are, are, maybe, are you maybe maybe i'm in the in the in the minority. Wait, wait, wait. But I'm all you send them and then do you send and then delete immediately? Yeah, oftentimes. Wait, can you tell me then why you do it? Because maybe this is just an insight to a culture I don't know about. Uh, if it's an irrelevant conversation or if it's a comment or a text that I don't need or don't care about or if oh. it's something, then I delete it. I delete it because it's just, I get clogged. Uh, it literally, if you look at text messages, you'll see that like the biggest waste of space on your yeah. phone is text messages. And half of them oh. are bullshit things of people being like, hey, yes. you want to come to this thing? And I'm like, I don't even fucking know so you. How, Delete. how many how many texts for me do you have on your phone right oh, now? Oh, you're Alan? saved. You're saved. Don't oh, you're you. saved. You're saved. But yeah, I delete messages on Instagram, on, on text messages all the time. Oh, Wait, yeah, so Eric, it. do you think he was like cheating? I think he was doing like shady texting and then making sure to cover his tracks so that no one could see the receipts. Mm. That's what I think. Right. Mm. Can, uh, I, like, can I throw this out real quick? This was is actually surprisingly relevant to the times right now, but I was at the airport about a month ago flying back from Michigan, my home state. And I don't think I've ever experienced this before in my life. I was eating, uh, I was just in a seat sitting next to a woman who was talking very loudly Oh. Uh, on the phone about finding out she was pregnant and getting an abortion. <gasps> and I was wow. really surprised wow. at an airport. And I, by the way, I don't <laughs> think she got it. I think, I think like at the end of the conversation, she's like, cause she was always talking. She's like, I don't want to be a mom. I've never wanted to be a mom. This is not what I do. This oh is not God. the plan. And then at the end, she's like, but you know what? I saw the ultrasound and it's really cute. And so maybe I am. And so no, it was a really, you're lying. No, I swear to this God. This sounds like a monologue. I swear to yeah, God. this sounds like the, a, a, a use of I, 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 I know exactly what I understand. I respect your descent. I swear <laughs> to God this happened. I've never experienced anything like it. It was, it was very interesting. I'm Eric, like gobsmacked. That, yeah, I know. So it was, I also, it was honestly, so it's also strange. annoying when people, no joke. I'm like, when people speak loud, it, I want to. Yeah. throttle them throttle them i'm like you can speak into your phone very quietly and the person hears you just fine yeah. what phones and headphones yeah. like why oh, eric what what let's talk about well i mean we can circle back to many things but if we're talking about musical theater 
we should say that you are you played Buddy in the National Broadway tour of Elf. Oh, <laughs> wow! He's really outing me on national <laughs> podcastery. Um, I did have a previous life of musical theater queendom, and as a Jew who had never seen Elf, I did see. The long story short is, I saw a YouTube clip of the main guy playing on Broadway singing a song. I was like, wait a minute. That's a fun song. I could sing that song. That's my dream role. Never seen the movie, never seen the show. Cut to, I auditioned for like two or three years. They are very disrespectful to actors and they make you have like 12 callbacks for no reason to make you do the oh. same material over and over again. But I ended up booking it when I was like, I, I mean, 24, 25, and I did yeah. the show and it ended up becoming one of my favorite things. I did it two times on tour and um, I- can you, can you still do your lines from it? I mean, probably, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, actually, <laughs> yeah, do you want me to, uh, is this like a, like, sing for us, which is like the most uh, devastating question I you would like ask. you to audition for your role again, for your, yes, please. Do you know what I can tell you, though, is that I had a friend coach me on my audition, and he really gave me great advice, and I will only say good things, except for, I had a really bad idea for a strong but wrong decision or a choice, an actor choice, which was, to tr crawl under a chair and uh, be like, Santa, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And like that, I felt like in the room, what if I crawl under the audition chair? And then like <laughs> the, the director's gonna be like, wow, this guy is just fearless. <laughs> yeah. And so I did it in my first audition and the faces behind the table were sheer panic. I come to oh, find no. out when I booked it and like months later when we were like comfortable with each other, the director was like, yeah, we thought you were insane when you did that. And um, I, um try to call you back to see if you would do it again. And then he didn't do it again. And so then we realized you weren't a crazy person. Oh, wow. Dyer, sometimes don't make the strong choice. Just be a normal <laughs> human being. There you go. Oh my God. For aspiring you, so you, actors you, out there. You are in, in LA now, but you were in New York for a long time, right? I, yeah, I just moved to LA like six months ago. So I I went to NYU for acting. I graduated. I thought I was just only going to do Chekhov until the day I fucking died. <laughs> right, right. And then realized the only thing I would get auditions for was Buddy the Elf. And so I did musical theater for a few years and then um, realized that I was not making the money. Yeah, what kind of living do you make as a yeah. touring? Not good. I mean, it's really the hardest I've ever worked was doing Buddy the Elf in the Elf musical. And then you can make, you know, five, ten times that you make in a week. You can make it on a half of the day doing a commercial. And so yeah. I was like, you've had a lot of success doing commercials already. I done I well see, I, this is the true story is that I walked out of an audition for a musical theater it was for um a, a festival in New York where they like have 12 writers sit behind the table and cast a bunch of musicals and I got to sing eight bars of music and I and the second the second I walked in another writer walked in and so all the people behind the table were like oh my god Cheryl how you been Cheryl girl you look amazing and so I was like oh, hey um my name is Eric. And they're like, thank you so much, Cheryl, by the way. And so like, they were having their moment. And I was like, wait a minute. I sang my song. And then I walked out and I was like, I know that I have more to give to this world than eight bars to 12 people yeah. who don't give a shit if I live or die. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. so I signed up for a commercial class. And I was like, fuck this. I'm not doing musical theater. I, I need to do something else. And then yeah. I ended up um, feeling yeah. like having a lot of fun with it. And then I was like, oh, I'm actually pretty good at this. And then I did a bunch of commercials in New York. And now I'm trying to, you know, be one of those people that are like, wow, I did a DoorDash commercial, and now I just bought a house. So, like, yeah, uh, right. stay tuned. Right. Commercial acting, there's 
there's a lot in that. I mean, if you can get into mm-hmm. the mix of it, like it's we we even yeah. had some people on before until we talked about commercial acting. It's a yeah. big thing. Yeah. Well, there's always the people that ask you like if you could choose to be a flow or if you could choose to be a boo boo yeah. like yeah, what and like actually I still don't have an answer to it. I kind of love the people who do a bunch of commercials but then still have enough of like I don't know if you know Stephanie Shu who's in Everything Everywhere All at Once right yeah. now. She. Yeah. Oh. She's done. She she's the first friend I made in college, and 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 to see her skyrocket is like very expected, but so incredibly cool. However, yeah. she is the type of person who has done a bunch of commercials, and like mm. you would be watching the Real Housewives, and then it's uh, staff doing a Discover Card yeah. commercial. But she probably made gorgeous money from that. Yeah. It's gonna win her awards doing this movie. I think that's like the I, dream. Yeah, I remember. I think what was it? Orlando Jones was uh, a comedian and an actor who who did like some Sprite commercials. Oh yeah. And I forget if he did a movie first and then Sprite, but it was all within very rapid succession. And maybe it was the Sprite commercials and a movie. And I remember I felt bad because I remember thinking like, I'm like, no, you're the Sprite dude. Like you can't uh, be in a movie. I'm not going to go yeah. to a movie with the Sprite guy. Sean Hayes it. was like that too. Sean Hayes had been in like mm. a bunch of commercials like Doritos commercials playing like straight dudes. Like it was very, really? yeah. No, Sean, then, Sean Hayes is, Sean Hayes is straight. He's heterosexual in real life. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> and, and he, and then he got Will and Grace and it was like a, it was a, like, every time I saw him, I was like, you're the Doritos guy with ugly guys over that woman in, you know, a bikini. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's very strange. It's funny. It's like Jim, I'm just like imagining like Jim J. Bullock, like checking out. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like a lady in like uh, a, a ogling a woman in a bikini for. <laughs> wait, wait, no, oh, wait, Eric. How did wait. how did how did the podcast come about? The podcast came about out of depression um, and sheer devastation nice. of being alive. Um, what happened is I was doing a bunch of commercials. I'd done a comedy show with a good friend of mine. And then the pandemic happened. Of course, every single thing I was doing had stopped. And so I started doing these videos that were partly just to distract myself from the world. And there were these videos that I coined that's a gay ass movie because I proved why these like classic movies were actually gay as hell. Mm. And that actually came because I posted on my Instagram story. I'm ashamed to admit this. However, I watched for the first time Death Becomes Her during the pandemic. I should have, I know, I know I should have seen it earlier, but I was like, why isn't that a musical? uh, I mean, talk right. talk about musical theater. Me, Elliot, is that okay, Elliot? Are you mad about that? No, I'm. I'm oh, I don't I, give a I, fuck I, if he cares. No. Not. <laughs> I have a complex. Close, FYI, just saying. Oh, I did see that. I did see that. Well, that's a whole other conversation. But what ended up <laughs> yeah. happening is that I posted to my like Instagram story. Okay, this movie is so gay. I got a lot of people like, "How have you never seen it?" A lot of just yeah. like a lot of discourse. And yeah. so I made I made the first. That's a gay ass movie, which is like me sitting in front of a green screen doing crazy edits and and the first one i did was miss congeniality i then also of course did like first wives club um uh practical magic um uh just a bunch of uh, like i did like 10 or 11 of them and as they were getting more engagement and shares i was like you know what in my dream i would turn this into a podcast and like a gay ass empire like you know that's a gay ass book that's a gay ass live boop 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 yeah and my therapist was like, well, why aren't you doing that? And I was like, because I don't have the talent nor the, like, I just like was saying all this limiting thinking. And he was like, okay, well, what does the confident version of yourself do? And I was like, well, he would do X, Y, and Z. He was like, so should you do that? And I was like, 
Interesting. Interesting. So then I, um, my older brother randomly hosted a podcast, which shocker was about veterinarian school had like oh, wow. tons of downloads. What kind and of, he, yeah. It was literally happen? about how to, he, my older brother was a musician who double majored in music and pre-med. He of course dropped yeah. the pre-med, did music. I don't know if any of you know who this, uh, Jewy song singer guy, Rick Rex. Does that, does that, Ring. No, okay, so no. I don't like music though. Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. Well, he would he would do like the, the Jewish camp circuit, and so like Jews around the country, would be like Rick Rack. Oh my God, he's based in St. Louis, where I'm from. Which oh, you're from Alan, St. Louis. I am. Oh, yes, I'm. Oops. Where in St. Louis are you from? Like I I sometimes lie because I get looks when I say oh. Ledoux, uh, but like oh no, I'll... my first boyfriend was from Ledoux. Oh, we love to see that. Yeah. Okay, safe space. But, but, you, but you know what, Alan? Uh, uh, we've actually, we've been getting a lot of messages from our listeners. We talk about ah, St. Louis ah. too much. So. <laughs> Sorry, Eric, well, go ahead. You know, Brent found that out by logging into the account through an internet browser. Because that's how he checked Instagram. <laughs> check on his yeah, because computer, I don't want to waste. I don't want to waste. Terrified of being Instagram. obsessed with it on his phone. Retro. <laughs> we no, love that. Yeah, Ledoux, Ledoux. It's a very sort of like uppity neighborhood in St. Louis. It is. It's a very rich neighborhood in St. Louis. It is. It is very much. And I, I like sometimes it's the same thing when I tell people I when you go to went to NYU because there's uh, understandably like oh you must yeah. be here and I had an ex-boyfriend when I was living in New York he went to Marymount Manhattan and we I would go to like their parties and they'd be like oh so where do you go to school and I'd be like I, I go to NYU and they'd be like no and like immediately I would get so much <laughs> shit and so I have like baggage well, for I mean, yeah. Marymount is uh, Elliot rolled his eyes. <laughs> rolled his eyes. I, I think I'm okay with saying this on record that they're fucking nuts. I think that the people that um, I go to any school, NYU is known for being, of course, snobby and just like the rich kids yeah. who have no talent. Marymount is known for being crazy. And listen, there are so many of the people that live up to those stereotypes. I like to think I've like hung on to the Midwestern kindness and not the NYU monstrosity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But all this to say the full circle is that my older brother ended up working for this Jewish musician and doing music business. And he was like, you know what? At like 20 28, he's like, I'm going to vet school. I'm going to become a veterinarian and live my truth. And he was not a great student in high school, like not amazing, but he yeah. got his act together. He got into every vet school he applied to. He spoke oh. at his vet school's graduation. Wow. And during all this, he started a podcast about like how to get into vet school because it's it's like apparently more difficult than med school. Oh, yeah. Really hard. And, oh, my God. And he got really great uh, listeners. And so all this to say, he let me borrow his equipment to start my podcast. Podcast, mm -hmm. And I started it a little like a little more than a year ago. And I've just been incredibly lucky to have wow. awesome guests. And, and it's it's become something that I'm proud of and excited about and um, started from a place of like, I didn't think it'd be good enough. And it, it was just a big old darn uh, awesome. Are you getting better guests than your brother's veterinarian podcast? <laughs> I'm actually still only getting veterinarians. Yeah, I'm getting okay. a lot of right. uh, horse, horse. James, James Harriet, James Harriet's been on. All right. Oh, Jimmy, we love, uh, we love Jimmy. Right. Um, I no, I mean, I had Elliot Glazer on my podcast. Can you believe? Yeah, I have to say I'm gayer than Elliot. I'm just saying. Yeah. Listen, saying, we'll sure. be in touch. My people will be in touch with your people. You want to <laughs> fag out? I got you. Oh, <laughs> it's a date. So, like, so tell us, like, tell us about the podcast. Like, like, what's like one of your favorite episodes? Okay, so one of my so the podcast, the whole conceit the is that it, the gay, oh, yeah. the gayest yeah, episode. Putting it, Alan. Thank you. 
Wow. Well, the whole the whole podcast asks, whose fault is it that you're gay? Who do we blame, babe? Because it's kind of the offshoot of the gay ass movies. And yeah. so I would say one of the oh, yeah, one of the gayest episodes is probably with Matt Rogers, because mm. he brilliantly puts into words why Kate Winslet and the hat and Titanic so specifically made him gay. Um, <laughs> he is it's it's also a, a very vulnerable episode because I tell him that I uh, was crying on a subway that he was also on and hid from him, which oh my God. I think was um, like, did you not know each other? Oh, no, I uh, we knew each other, but I was so mortified to have been crying. I was if we're being really yeah. honest, I was going through a very I got married like six months before the, the pandemic started mm. and I was actually on your podcast. I was listening to you you all talking about the ultimatum, uh, the Netflix show. I remember like oh, yeah. you were talking about kind of the conceit of the show. And of course I did watch it. Uh, but the whole idea of like, there's usually one person who wants to be married more, the other person that's like freaking out more. Mm, yeah. And I was having my pre marriage freak out. Really? I actually just finished the elf tour for the second time. So like was I'd been employed. I got back to New York City in fucking January, which is one of the most depressing times of year it to is, be yeah. in New York. There's nothing and you can look at really. Every Christmas is over, like holidays yeah. are like it's and especially you're like, you know, February is around the corner, which is like yeah. negative 10 degrees every day. Yeah. Just yeah. just dark, dark. And so I was feeling bad career-wise personally and so I was like yeah. everything is gonna be horrible and what train were you on the G train in Brooklyn that's oh, even that's man. another reason to cry and that's another reason to cry yeah. I'm a lucky it even came yeah but yeah I was like telling my friend how dark I was feeling and I was crying on my way to brunch of course and then I was like are you fucking Too kidding boring. me Matt Rogers is on this car right now and so I was like do anything you can to shield me like can you believe yeah. can you imagine it's like hey no I'm good how are you like tear stained face I have cried mm. crying in public especially in New York City I distinctly remember reading the book the namesake and getting off, I my my I got off at Union Square for work, um, off the Q train. And I remember I was at, I finished the book, and I was bawling in public. And it was like it was like sobbing, crying. It wasn't Ooh. even just like normal, like oh that was emotional. Yeah. It was sobbing, and it can be. People look at you, even in New York City. People look at you in a way yeah, that yeah. they wonder, what are you carrying? Yeah. Public crying in New York, I think, is such a tale as old as time. I, I remember getting my first apartment by myself that was like not a, a school dorm or anything. And I had to find it myself because my friend was out of town and looking for an apartment anywhere, of course, is hell. But like being like 20 years old in New, New York, York City, yeah. I got the I finally like signed the lease and I thought I was calling my parents to tell them how happy I was that I signed it. But because of the buildup of emotion and how horrible it was been, I was like, so I um started weeping like yeah. right on Houston mm -hmm. Street yeah. and like shoulders shaking. And I was like, the, the amount of times you pass someone that's just like crying into their phone in New York, I think is you're just like, well, what was Thursday. it like? I mean, because you were crying over the your pending marriage or were you guys engaged? Yeah, we were engaged. And I think I was I was Yeah, I was definitely like, what if I'm not ready? What if like, the you know, yeah. like when you feel down and the feeling that you have is that you'll never not feel that way. Like, yeah, just like every day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, I was I was very much in that place of like, how am I going to ever feel better? Like, what if I walk down the aisle of my own wedding? feeling yeah. like I don't want to be or I don't think this is the right time I mean it was and the great 
silver lining of the whole thing is that I, of course, actively went into therapy and like Matt and I actually went to a couple's therapist, like address what I, what we were mm-hmm. both feeling. And we ended up doing really good, hard work. That was like, yeah. which I've heard yeah. in a lot of couples, I think is like you, you get to a, what's the word? Like there's a, a crossroads where you're like, there are certain things that I'm not feeling good about. And if I don't feel good about this forever. Like what, this might be a deal breaker for me. And I don't even remember it being anything specific. It was just like the overwhelm I felt. And so we addressed things. We worked really hard and then thank God I, we both came out of it stronger than we were before. And I, great. I learned that what they don't tell you when you're younger is like relationships are so much of the roller coaster. And I thought I used to think that the, the low points were signs that you should break up but I, that was my own trauma speaking of like fear of divorce and all of that. So I've just learned about the, that was a lesson in roller coastering. Yeah. I think that's so important for, to even just say, I mean, I, we, we've, the three of us talked about this for, I think years in our friendship and that like the expectations in certain relationships and how we, the things we expect of others and the things that we hope that they do. And we try to dictate and narrate our own relationship experience when it's like, you can't, it's two people. You have to be okay with the downtimes just as much as the uptimes. Like yeah. you can't be blissfully perfect 24 seven because that's fucking exhausting. And it's, yeah. it's a, it's an important thing to, I think, talk about more, you know? I remember once we like got to a place where we weren't intimate as much as we had been in prior months. And it was totally normal. Well, welcome to my world, by the way. Continue. <laughs> yeah. I just was like, oh, so this means we are um, completely ruined. Mm. Uh, there's, we're doomed. There's now yeah. in a life because you know what also happens. I think is, I don't know if it's a gay person thing where you're like, you a lot of people, gay people, grow up thinking, well, then I'll just never get married or I'll never yeah, yeah. be with someone because it's like there's no chance that a I'll be okay with myself being gay and b like the world right. would allow this. And so, once. Right when Matt and I were like two years in and you know, like when you're so in love with someone, you're like, I can't wait to plan our wedding. I'm going to wear a gorgeous linen gown. Like you just like start planning things. Like you're know, not yeah. linen. <laughs> linen. I don't know. I, I chose the most wrinkled fabric. Yes, you did. Uh, <laughs> I just like a challenge, but I end, but we ended up saying to each other, like two years in, we were like, I think we want to be with each other forever. And I felt really blissful for about, I would say like a few days. And then the second something happened that I wasn't thrilled about, I was like, I'm stuck. <laughs> like, yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. there's yeah. no way out and so then that started the cycle of like we didn't have sex for two weeks i'm doomed and so it's like i had to, and i was just so naive so about the well you the know cycle. no one nobody teaches uh nobody I mean, people people barely teach straight people how things go and right uh i'm reading this book by jill gutowitz who's a writer she's really fucking funny wait elliot you're reading um, a self-help book right now <laughs> no it's not a self-help book it's oh, it's okay. uh it's like essays by this she's a really funny writer she writes about she calls it celesbianism because yeah. <clears throat> she like is obsessed with like lesbians from the aughts she's really funny but she talks about how like you know nobody nobody teaches you nobody really lays out any framework for queer people even yeah. today like there really is very little framework laid out as to how things technically work or could work then on top of it you have to take your cues, unfortunately, from movies, TV, and everyone's having social media. Seven all the time in those things. There's a they're constantly hooking up. There's this constant. Yeah, like you're saying this narrative of like, oh God, if we're not intimate, then we're over. And it's like, no, yeah. that is normal. Yeah. it's a normal thing. Yeah, 
but nobody's going to tell you that and 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 media is certainly not going to like explain it or or no one's gonna, it's hard to find a way to commiserate about it when no one is, has laid out the framework for it yeah that's a that's something that i've been a little bit more open with some and and having sort of more open conversations in my you know in my early to mid 30s with some of my straight friends uh about like their sex lives yeah i don't know i think we all talk about hooking up but you don't really talk about fucking your husband or your wife or whatever the normal and sex. Yeah. And, and like, obviously that like, that's a extraordinarily common thing is like sexual compatibility, uh, being with the same person for more than five years, 10 years. Um, it comes up almost every time, yeah. you know, I, I talk to uh, my straight friends or, or gay friends for that matter. But like, I, but, but I think in gay culture, you're not allowed to say that you're not allowed to think that you always have to be horny. You always have to be fucking. I mean, otherwise you're useless. With the yeah, right, right, right. right. <laughs> I did go out with some uh, gay friends last night who are married and we actually had a conversation about lube and it felt like I was like, look at us being gay and married and talking about like, as if we were like, a classic to double dating, but also like gay yeah. men talking about lube. Yeah. It was like a nice little combination yeah. of being gay, but also like just like dudes talking about fucking. I don't know. It was yeah. like it yeah. was. It was also very kind of nice. like it's nice. Yeah, the nice those conversations are nice in terms of also just like communicating about the different ways people are sexual. You know what I mean? Like not everything. Not every couple is penetratively sexual constantly oh my God. all the time. And yeah. often, a lot of times too, they're just not even sexual at all. They're either having you know communications with others in an open situation or they're having these there's these fluid and that's what's so great i think about being queer is that like there's these fluid ways of looking at intimacy and sexuality and sex that we don't have to be stuck to the binary of tuesday night date night right you know? right, right. <laughs> well yeah. i think about that a lot about like when you're growing up queer and you're already told that being queer is bad so like you don't even have any rules that you can apply to yourself and yeah. so then when you are and when i like as an adult now i'm like well wait a minute if i don't like certain things that are so like quote unquote normalized or the rules for straight people if i don't like that applying to me then like i'm just not i'm gonna like rebel against it like whether it, yeah. even just like talking about sex like i did a, a friend's podcast zach noe towers a few weeks ago where i talked about having a bottom revolution recently and like the old me would have been really afraid to say something about that, but like no i got a bidet it unlocked something in my mind and i know can bottom like a gosh darn star and the, pe <laughs> the people should gosh know star. Yeah, <laughs> good for you. Yeah, you let them know. Yeah, thank you, you so you much. Write a book. You should write a book about it. I'll buy it. Um, uh, I, Urban Outfitters. I haven't had the revolution yet. I'll uh, the publisher to send me an advanced copy. Thank you. Sure. Right, right. Thank well, you. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you on the internet? Where can people find your podcast? They can find the podcast. It's called That's a Gay Ass Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Gay Ass Podcast. And I am Eric Wills, E-R-I-C-W-I-L-L-Z. Yeah, <laughs> with a gotta gotta get the Z in there. I get that Z in there. Eric with a Z. Eric, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Oh my god, thank you. What a dream. And another thing. I wanted to have a conversation. This this was a topic I've wanted to chat about. And we've we've covered some similar themes before in the podcast, but uh, and I already don't think Alan was a fan of this one. He 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 wrote a note about this. Before. He wrote a note in our uh google doc that said i'm gonna be angry after this segment so i, I guess <laughs> I, I know i, I am look well, to... also because well say what it is first and then i have something to say yes so the idea is who are 
give us a list of surprise homophobes. So people yeah. that you wouldn't have expected were like not gay friendly or 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 whatever. And I have a whole list, but Alan- oh, Yeah, no, I wanna say something about, to our dear listeners about oh um, Brent Sullivan here that I find so funny in this one. So like typically Brent and I, whenever we have these lists sort of things, we put in one or two, you know what I mean? Like we have one or two in there and it's fine. No, 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 no. This time when it involves hating on queer people. <laughs> oh my God. Brent you, <laughs> list dare that is you. literally researched, footnoted, defined. Well, it's, but, and Ellie and I are like, it's my idea. Um, one? <laughs> oh, you are getting a lot of sass from that side today. Why don't you go first? Frankly. Because yours is a uh, audible. Well, uh, I oh. am. I am yeah. going to go first. Thank you very much, Alan. It was my idea. Um, so there was that I, I'm obsessed with this clip, that infamous clip of Bette Midler on Larry King, yeah. uh, in which this was like, what, 0406. And he asks her about gay marriage. And she just kind of like gives it a, a shockingly bad clunky response that she's kind of like tepidly okay with it but she's like clearly sort of parsing her words and should, should gay people be allowed to marry that's a really good question um i think i'm a really big believer in uh uh all the civil uh rights that everyone else has i believe in gay people sharing all the civil rights i believe that um they're entitled to them. I believe they're entitled to the insurances. I believe they're entitled to, uh, to Visit all those. in the hospital. Uh, all that decisions. stuff. Yeah, yeah. As far as marriage is concerned, I come from a, you know, doesn't seem to be hurting anybody. So, Larry, I guess I'm I didn't do so good friend. on that last question, huh? And I just, I just find it so strange because she was like a gay icon, and this was also in the two thousand. This isn't like nineteen ninety one. Okay. She, she is a gay icon. And by uh, the way, I'm not suggesting that she's a homophobe. I was just, I just remember being surprised yeah she's talked this... a lot about that clip since then and yes. she's also talked a lot about being in, she's even like given money to gay marriage like she's huge gay marriage supporter even i even added a quote from an article she gave a couple years after this interview so like it is it is one of those things that i feel like and bet midler it's just happening right now with bet midler and the whole oh, yeah. um, uh baby formula <laughs> issue she put out a tweet being like women should breastfeed or something. And which obviously a lot of women cannot breastfeed. Well, she was like, so, yeah, she, I think she said something like, you know, with the, with the formula shortage, she was like, uh, some, something like caustic or it's like, yeah. uh, have you tried breastfeeding? It's free and natural. And people were like, yeah. how are you kidding? You know, like- they're, they're going after <laughs> her in a way. And the thing, the thing that I find so funny- Oh, is, you! Of course she's wrong. Of course she's wrong about this. It's when some women cannot breastfeed. It of is course. just a natural and, thing that is normal. And, and she could look at science. Also, you don't, but don't take yeah. advice from Bette Midler. Like don't, well, don't, I, don't care what Bette Midler tweets. Yes. Like, chill out. Like that's why, that's why, that's why Twitter is a nightmare. Cause for her to be like, uh, hello, have you tried breastfeeding? And of course there are people who like, can't, don't want to, yeah. are gay like there's a million reasons why you shouldn't have to breastfeed if you don't want to yeah. aside you know like like formula shortage be damned but the fact that she, that she has to like the fact that she weighs in on it is crazy and the fact that her opinion matters to anybody is crazy the people are spending the time people waste their time yes. responding responding, is crazy. <laughs> responding to like biden or like congress or people uh, or the the supply chain there's so many different things it's wild yeah yeah Okay, so that's number one. That kicked off kicked off a hearty debate. Seems like a pretty damn good idea, actually, to talk about this, Alan. 
the number two is Mel Gibson. Uh, I only say this because he's an actor in Hollywood and actors in Hollywood tend to skew, you know, fairly strongly to the left, especially on social <laughs> he's also He's also a monster. Well, no, I, I mean, that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing. Like you, yeah. I was surprised. I mean, I remember when it like started like 10, yeah. 15 years ago, you're like, oh, Mel Gibson's a jerk. And then like within a year, you're like, he's crazy. You know what he's blows crazy. me away about the Mel Gibson bit though is that he is like best friends. Like insanely best friends oh, with Jodie Jody Foster. Foster, who is yeah, like oh, sure. a big old letho. Love her, and, and not only that, he's like complete. He's completely rebounded, despite Me Too, despite Trump, despite every movement to like cancel people who are who say who do the, the slightest thing that's incorrect or unaccountable. Yeah. And he is just gliding through the business, continuing to. He's in that. I, I mean, oh, I does he work? Yes. I mean, he doesn't work movie. a lot. He doesn't work a lot because his, his last movie was, I think, direct to streaming, not so great, could not get distribution. Like, so he's not on top of the world, but he is still working. You're mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. He still works pretty consistently. That movie yeah. Hacksaw Ridge was apparently up like an, up for an Oscar. Like, yeah, it was. He does fine. It's it's yeah. wild. It's he's he's a monster. Oh oh, <laughs> like, this this bitch loves Hacksaw Ridge. But what's interesting <laughs> about what's interesting about it is like after that whole like anti-Semite like rant that he went on a couple, but when was that? Like late aughts? I don't even remember. Yeah. But after he did that, his comeback vehicle, his film that was his comeback vehicle. This is before, this is before, no, it wasn't. It uh, was, cause that was before Passion of the Christ. Oh, oh that, was, that was, yeah, that was before Passion of the Christ. Um, but it was a Jodie Foster directed film oh, but called the, the Beaver. It's oh, a puppet, boy. right? It's a puppet, but it's like, why would a woman who is in the closet direct a film called the beaver yeah with a man who's an anti-semite and hates gays oh and and, and only h allen scott is familiar with the entire videography of <laughs> no Foster. i knew i knew i knew what the beaver was because i was oh, I just can't, all right i just can't i cannot believe that this guy gets work i can't believe I know. it it's, it's truly Although, wild to me no mention of jody foster should go without saying um or mentioning nell chickapay in the winds <laughs> um chickamay chickamay what well, luck gone away uh that actually reminds me you know that reminds me of sort of a very kind of old old-fashioned trope uh when it comes to homophobia which is it uh you're allowed to be more accepting of women being gay than men yeah uh, mm -hmm. you're allowed to because like men are, quote men are like lesbians and yeah because it's or not lesbians because of because of sexism like women aren't threatening sexually to <laughs> to men so like look at ellen look at the success of ellen in the daytime show in, in fact uh i will do <laughs> another another deep cut uh uh surprise homophobes the dictator of belarus uh a guy named lukashenko he was yeah. asked about gay rights a few years ago and i remember he gave that quote he gave that answer which was uh, lesbians are cool with me, but I don't believe gay men men should be gay, which I thought was actually oddly, oddly, even surprisingly accepting for a dictator in in Belarus to accept lesbians. But whatever. Yeah. Um, all right. So the other person on my list was another person, Karl Rove, the Republican strategist who led both of George W. Bush's election victories, including the 2004 campaign, which galvanized support from the right by putting gay marriage bans on states all across the country. His dad was gay and they had a close relationship. Carl Rove. Yeah, until, you, until you told me that, I would never have imagined I thought that it was Carl, Carl Rove would make this list, but- uh, Yeah. Well, you're right. Wow, Yeah. gay dad. There was also and a Republican presidential candidate whose dad 
was trans or something. Oh. It was like a big, he was like a billionaire. I'm gonna look him up. Hold on. Look that. Oh, Jesus, look that up. That's a good one. I don't think I know that. Yeah. And Ken Melman was also uh, a gay man, head of the RNC during the Bush era, who came out a few years later and was once Neil Gorsuch's law roommate. Oh, wow. um, and fin final surprise homophobe was a guy named uh, Ray Cohn, a closeted gay aide to Joseph McCarthy. He, uh, and he died also of the, the wasn't he also the like Trump's uh, mentor? Oh God, I think you're right. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. Ellen, well, did, you, I, did you find your? No, I'm looking for. It? I'm looking. I'm looking. You go. You go, Elliot. Yeah, I can say that to in, to add to the list. Um, I found out recently that Dixie Carter of Designing Women was homophobic, or I guess was not just wow. maybe maybe not outright homophobic per se, but certainly was not a, a friend. I think um, we need to be I, careful with the word homophobic. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're putting it in quotes here. This yes. is, we're just we're just having yeah. a dialogue. It's just yeah. a dialogue, Alan. Yeah. But you know, I mean, which is only ironic because. Uh, so many gay, so many queen, drag queens can will lip sync the, her big monologue from Designing Women about the night the lights went out in Georgia. Yeah, right. And so many gay people watch Designing Women, and so I was. So she was a Republican about that, which I think, and I think a lot of the the her her views on gay issues get distorted by the reality of uh -huh. her being a Republican. So, like, yeah, I question her being a homophobe. But I, I right, do think she right. probably had conservative political beliefs. But I don't think yeah, she was homophobic. Did you guys like? Turn, like, oh, sorry. Did you like designing women? Yes, very much so. Oh, very much it's so. Terrible. In fact, in fact, I just interviewed Gene Smart about it. Well, Anne Hacks. I don't know who the hell that is, but all right. He was on Designing Women. So if you're calling oh. it horrible, you might, might as well watch it. But I, I did. I did. I just didn't remember all of their names because it was so terrible. <laughs> you should watch Hack, though. It's really good. Yeah, I've watched I watched the pilot. Go ahead, Alan. <laughs> well, I struggled because I I don't like calling people homophobes. I know I, even even Republicans. But there is a very famous, famous um uh, it, she it's said cool. some anti-gay stuff, meaning Donna Summer, about gay people and AIDS and said some really sort of bad things that were influenced by her Christian beliefs. Her religion, she, yeah. She, she became was born very, again, right? She became very born again. But then later on, she um, she spoke out against a lot of what she had previously said. She had evolved oh. on the issue. So it's like, oh. again, Good I don't for want to her. call She's her so a home. Brave. Rest in peace. She's Donna so summer. brave. Rest in peace. But that's the it's only like, one I could there, think of. Isn't there a thing where she like wrote a letter to somebody or somebody wrote a letter to her? Am I thinking? Yeah, calling AIDS a sin. And Eef. like, yeah. you know, it was, it was very born again language, which she later, and then of course, I think later she would like play at pride parades and stuff. Like yeah. She, yeah, yeah she, she, Donna Summer's a singer, right? Yes, she, she was, like, yeah. You know, the last dance and all the She worked hard for the money. Last yeah. dance, <laughs> last dance. That's Love that song. song. <laughs> so beautiful. Oh, God. What would your aunt say? All right, Brent, what would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? I voted for Cuomo, not the homo. <laughs> <laughs> My aunt Joanne would say, tell Brent to leave Bette Midler alone. We only get so many bets. <laughs> How about Aunt Anne? Bette Midler's a homophobe? I knew it. 
<laughs> he actually hated Bette Midler. It was weird. I remember when really? I was like, this is a real story. I love, I loved Bette Midler my entire life. Bette Midler is a huge influence on me. And she went on some tirade about how she was like in bad movies, that one movie Jinx or something. And like mm. how she's a bad person and she doesn't know what she's doing professionally and all okay. this shit. And what? I was like, my aunt Anne hates Bette Midler. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's so yeah. bizarre. Very strange. Well, she was ahead of the curve, I guess. No, her and Brent. No, no, everyone loves Bette Midler. <laughs> no. I still love Bette Midler. I well, uh, I actually don't know anything go... she's ever done, but whatever. I do, I do think highly of her. <laughs> I do too. Well, well thanks, thanks for environmentalist, Brent. You would love her. Oh yeah, no, I, I do, I, I genuinely like Bette Midler. I just, you know, I needed a jumping off point for that last segment, and we keep cutting Elliot off. He wants to say his name. <laughs> I'm Elliot Glazer. Oh, I'm Brent Sullivan. <laughs> 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 <laughs>